calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Du. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist's life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tananari do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Hey, here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back, audience. Welcome back, Steve. We missed you last week in my my interview with Johnny Compton, but he was so good. And it was so much fun to talk to an up-and-coming young-ish black horror writer. <laughs> yeah, I think I was I was taking care of a little little emergency. You absolutely emergency. Life is what happens while you're making other plans, as John Lennon said shortly before he was shot to death. Oh, wow. Taking it right there from the gate. Right there. We're at assassination and the podcast (laughs) podcast is just beginning. (laughs) Well, let's moving along to hopefully more cheerful topics. Why don't we give a little talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives? I didn't know you were coming to get sanctified. But anyway. <laughs> so, can I have a witness? Can you though? Let's just, ow, I hit my elbow in my excitement. Oh, but, poor baby. Wish I could be there to rub it. Oh, you well, don't worry. There'll be plenty of time for that later. If okay. you know what I mean. And I think if you, you insist. <laughs> oh, that was, that was way too loud. Okay, so. <laughs> The audience, vulgar, that vulgar audience. It is the audience is just 
starved for blue material, I guess. But anyway, what is going on? Why don't you start? Okay. Well, I, I realized that right now I'm feeling so happy about life that it's 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 starting to kind of balance the, the level of pain I was feeling when we were in Atlanta. You know, the, life right now is just that good. And what what I want to do is to integrate and ask myself questions about why things are working out. Some of it is just chance. Some of it is just the flow of life. But some of it has to do with specific actions that we've been taking. And to the degree that I can identify those things, I want to double down. So the six weeks in the writer's room were a peak experience. And you will notice that as soon as that ended, other offers started coming our way. Yes. That literally there was a six-week period where not much was happening other than the writer's room, even from people just calling us or making appointments or wanting to do things. So it, It's kind of strange, but it goes right into that notion of, of the magic formula, that if you do these things properly, you actually seem to be, you actually seem to be increasing luck. So it's asking myself, what map or model do I have of my life right now? And we're going to have a, a serious conversation on Saturday when we're driving to Anaheim for that convention about what's our next WonderCon, WonderCon this weekend. It might be over by the time this comes right out. There, by the time you hear this. Yes. But you and I will talk about our three-year plan. What is it that we want? And because there are some changes you know, there are some, some differences in what it is that we want, and I want to make sure we're, we're on the same page, that I am there to support you in whatever it is that you want to do next. The second thing is, the, is action, you know, and we're taking lots of action, but during that six-week period, some of our stuff got interrupted. So it's getting back on track with all that. And then that sense of gratitude. Like I said, right now, I'm just bubbling with gratitude. Just, I just, every day is just wonderful. And I, you know, you, you never know how long that's going to last. No, and, and no. Feeling, being aware that it doesn't last forever is one of the things that gives life its sweetness and makes me want to absolutely be there and pamper my kids, but also make sure that they're ready for the world in terms of clear intention. So that connects to the three-year plan and then confidence and courage. So Doing my morning ritual and touching that place inside me that feels confident that I can accomplish, I can and should take these daily actions and that they will take us where we want to go. To be able to be on the same page about those things with myself and then with you and then with you and Jason and then radiate outwards from there is what I want to do right now. It's going to take me, you know, I'm, I'm starting to adjust. I'm starting to get the work done again. Things are starting to happen. How about wow. you? Wow. That was a, wow. Okay. You got a whole encapsulated mini lecture on the magic formula. Of course you did from my, my darling Stephen Barnes. Just for me, I'm trying to keep myself from like, getting hopes up. I think it's, I caught myself feeling like something was definitely going to happen. Okay. Because as you said, as soon as we finished that six week think tank for Crystal Lake, the Monday after our last Friday, new opportunities started emerging, including one having to do with our graphic novel, The Keeper, which as you know, started or may know, if you've listened to this podcast, it started as a script and then we adapted it to a graphic novel. So now it's full circle and a film producer is reaching out with questions about The Keeper. Now, I don't know what they want, what they have in mind. Maybe they just think it's a great sample. I, I have no idea, but I caught myself feeling like this is going to happen. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 slow your roll, baby, because that way lies heartbreak. You just have to sort of 
balance expectations and reality. And that is the dance of trying to work in the arts period, but especially in Hollywood, where even projects that are shot sometimes never get it to the air. We have had a chance to see people at very high levels still struggling to get their projects made. So, you know, to understand that, to have a glimpse at that is a is clarity in terms of the map of the territory that we are traversing. Oh, it's like that. Yes. Important yes. to know. Otherwise you take it too personally. Yes, but but we could go on and on, but I, I don't want to because I want to introduce our I say every guest is amazing, but I really mean it this time. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's because they are all amazing though. They're wonderful. Yes, they are. So Nisi Shaw is a founder of the diversity and speculative fiction nonprofit, the Carl Brandon Society, and serves on the board of directors of the Clarion Rest Writers. Ugh, doggone it, Rosebud. Nisi Shaw is the founder of the diversity and speculative fiction nonprofit, the Carl Brandon Society, and serves on the board of directors of the Clarion West Writers Workshop. Their story collection, Filter House, was a winner of the 2009 Tip Tree Otherwise Award, and their debut novel, Ever Fair, was a 2016 Nebula finalist. Shaw edited Blood Children, stories by the Octavia E. Butler Scholars. They co-edited Strange Matings, Science Fiction, Feminism, African-American Voices, and Octavia E. Butler in 2013. And now the new anthology they've they've just edited, New Sons 2, with an introduction by Walter Mosley and a story mm-hmm. from moi, has just come out. Please welcome Missy Shaw. <laughs> I told you they get a little overexcited. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm happy that they're excited. Sure. Yeah, it's it's not every day we have luminaries in the house and you are that DC. You you you've been in in the the field for some time. I'm so glad to see you getting your roses and getting the recognition. New Sons 2. I haven't finished it, but I have started it is not only beautiful in terms of the cover, but the concept, it's basically marginalized authors in speculative fiction, and it is the gamut from tech sci-fi to fantasy to, I don't know what you call my story, suppertime kind of creature horror yeah, set in <laughs> history. But it's a very impressive looking anthology, and congratulations to you. I know you've gotten some good notice on the Washington Post already, which is always nice. So yeah. you, you must, what's going on with you? Let's just start wherever you'd like to start. How are you doing? <sighs> okay, well, I'm I'm fine. I just got back from Florida for, I was there for the International Conference on the Fantastic in the Arts. And I, we, we sold out of New Sons 2 there. We sold out of my new novel, Speculations, there. Oh. Like, but I do want to just, in terms of life writing, I want to give this word of advice. Do not publish five books, uh, three books, sorry. Do not publish three books in a five-month period. Don't do it. Wow. Got it. What was the greatest pain that resulted from that? Not knowing what I was talking about at any particular <laughs> moment. Let's see, am I talking about the horror collection or am I talking about the middle grade novel? 
what's happening today? Just feeling kind of lost. Is is speculations, you said, is that the horror collection? No, actually, I got my own book's title wrong. It's speculation. That is a speculation. It is a middle grade novel. You know, I start out saying that something is not horror and then somebody proves to me that it is. So whatever. Can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. The horror collection is called Our Fruiting Bodies. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Is it it, it body body horror? Yeah, we're about to ask the same. Jinx, by the way. Well, no, it's it's mostly, I don't know. It's mostly a bunch of weird stuff that turned out to be horror that I thought wasn't horror when I published it. Can you just admit you're, you're writing horror? Can you just like start out admitting that you have that sick, twisted imagination that's going to turn it into <laughs> horror? But to me, horror is in the eye of the beholder True. rather than in what I, the writer, do. And I've had a troubled relationship with it for a while because just... You know, okay, there's dead people in there. So what? You know, I mean, dead people happen, you know. They're, it's they're a part of life. There. Yeah. They, ha- they yeah. happen all the time. All the time, right. So why <laughs> does that make it horror? And then I just have come to realize, okay, fine. You know, I, at one point there was a story. I said, there are no monsters in here. And then I was doing a reading from it. And I was reading a sentence where I was talking about this monster. So fine. It's horror. It's horror. It has monsters in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I personally would consider horror to relate to the dominant emotion that people are experiencing yes. when they read something or after they put it down more than, you know, are there monsters? You know, it could be a kaiju movie. That's not horror. You know, it's just, you know it, there are many different things that it could be in there. Do you, how, what do you, is there any emotion that you commonly want your readers to feel in response to you? I don't necessarily want them to have an emotion, but in particular, but I want them to have an emotional response. One thing, okay, so first I get to mention her name again, Octavia. One thing that she taught me was that writing from a powerful emotion makes your writing more powerful. And so she would would pinpoint certain things right from your dread, right from your fear. But that doesn't mean that I want people to feel those things. And I'm going to turn it around now and talk about one of your stories, Steve, which I was, while I was at ICFA, I was talking with with someone. Now, what's the one that's in New Suns here? I have it right here. We're looking at the Come Home to Atropos. Oh, oh yes. right. Is that in, that's in the first New Sons? That's in the first one. Yeah. Yes. And it was um, an idea I had many years ago and did not think I would be able to find any place to sell it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that was a common theme, actually, in, in most of the stories in New Sons, by the way. So I loved that story. And when you read it at NorwestCon, one of my friends was laughing so hard, she snorted her milkshake out of her <laughs> Very funny, very uplifting to me. I met someone at ICFA that in Florida that was like, I was chilled to the bone by this. I was horrified by this this story. In Um, fairness, it is a story about an island where people go to die. (laughs) Right. But she (laughs) she thought that they were being tricked into that. 
she didn't realize that they were going there to deliberately to die. Oh, so, so whatever emotion you perhaps were saying, this is what I'm going to give you completely missed her. She, she had a low flying haircut. It completely went over her head. Yeah, I guess my feeling about that is that I wanted black people to react differently than white people did. Oh, and she was white. So maybe yes, that, that was it. That black people, I was hoping that they would laugh because it really, it dealt with a small impoverished nation that finds that their only way of making money is to provide assist, you know, to be a haven for assisted suicide and that they were specifically marketing themselves to white people. Yeah. And that the implications of how much rage they felt over the destruction of their colonial past. Just sulfurous. Of course, that would be horrifying. I think that this is part of what we're dealing with in America right now is that the repression of history about right. what happened is starting to fall apart. And I right. think so the people who identify with the, with the people who perpetrated this are going to feel very uncomfortable about it and the rest and of I say, let them let them feel uncomfortable but yeah so this this story did work on that that basis then i always say that stories are not what you write and they're also not exactly what people read they're what happens between what you write and what people read that's where the story space is between my mind and your so interesting so um what I want to say is that I can take people to that space and I really want to make sure that they feel that they are deeply in that space, but I, I can't tell them what that space will feel like to them. Okay. I, the beholder is the perfect way to put it, you know, it, because... part of the beholder. Right. I are heart yeah. of the beholder. Well, heart. you, you kind of slipped in there, Nisi that you got writing advice from Octavia Butler and yeah. a lot of listeners are very, very intrigued and jealous right now by this. Have idea. you ever thought about writing an article? What Octavia taught me about writing? I have not, but now I'm going to. Yeah, you, you absolutely should. Definitely fact, should. If I were you, I would write a small, a short book <laughs> on it because you could probably put what you think in there and you could talk to other people who knew her and find out what they what they learned from her too. I mean, there that's what you have. That's a treasure trove. You know, that, that what we got from Octavia and you got more, you probably got more of it than I did. You can't, you can't put a price tag on that. See, you knew her longer than me, but yeah, maybe I got a lot just by being in her neighborhood, but you, were, neighborhood you were a neighbor. Too. Well, he was a neighbor. Well, you can speak for yourself in terms of your history with Octavia Steve. I was a neighbor and it was it was just wonderful to get together with her for dinner or you know take her out to you know take her to the library or take her to a signing and things like that yeah we talked about a lot of things but i have the sense that you talked more nuts and bolts writing with her than i did i talked with, i tended to talk with her more about life in general hmm. so um, nisi yeah walk us through just I know a feeling. You, you were about to speak but but walk us through first of all what your relationship with Octavia was like just in general. And then the writing piece, what did she specifically teach you? Well, no, we can't talk about all the stuff that she taught me because I need to like, you know, collate that 
and, okay, and, and put lot. it all together. But it started out with me totally fangirling over her. Of um, course. Because I had gotten admitted to a convention where she was the guest of honor because I wrote about her for their their program. And then I met her and I said, completely not thinking about how I this might sound like flattery. I said, oh, you're much more beautiful in person. <laughs> but I meant it. It was true. Was it, it is not? true. Yes, it's it true. And why does she have a weird reaction to that? Or, or No, or... thank goodness. She must have heard it from other people. She probably she... felt that she didn't photograph well. She was probably happy to hear that. Yeah. Okay. And so, so then when she moved up here, we weren't like literal, like across the street neighbors, but we were at least in the same watershed. And, you know, we could go to restaurants and we talked on the phone a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you said you started from a place of fangirling, which is where I started. And I never could get over my hump to call her and just chat on the phone. So how did, how do you make the transition from friend girl to friend? I don't did. How did I do that? By being really sincere, Mm. by being sincere and listening to her when, when she would say things like, I I'm not interested in doing that, or I want to do this, paying attention to like her, her idea that she was weak and failing. I mean, of course, I thought she was super, but um, I, I would have I had to at least. And this was after the this was when she was living up there. Yes. Yes. So this was after the MacArthur Genius Grant. Yes, that's right. Critical for people to hear that a person can get that kind of award, that kind of acknowledgement and the voices in their head still natter at them. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The thing is, I think that she was having reactions to her blood pressure medicine and mm. she and she was she was vocal about that. She was vocal about 
you know, what was going on with her physically, what was going on with her mentally and emotionally. And yes, it was after the MacArthur Genius Award, but it was also during a period when she had not been writing for a while. Mm, Well, I know there was something she had started in the year 2000 when Steve and I interviewed her. She referenced a book, I think the working title might have been something like The Gift, about a young woman who receives a tremendous gift. And I never heard another word about it. The next thing I knew, she was writing Fledgling. So she was struggling. She had a novel that died on her, on the vine. Yep. Yep. And this would have been probably during that period you're talking about. Exactly. So because I was a sympathetic ear in that regard, I think that that probably helped me get more on an equal footing, you know. but. I think that's also, I was paying attention to the way that she treated me. Um, I will say there's someone that we all know that I'm not going to name who has no equals. Octavia had nothing but equals. Mm. All of us were her equal. And she knew that she um, was shining as a star, but she also figured that everybody else was too. Mm. That's a beautiful sentiment. And of course, the petty part of me is trying to figure out who is that other person you're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll let that go. I'll let that go. So really quickly, without giving away everything from your upcoming book on the topic, what, what would you say was the most important thing, aside from writing from emotion that Octavia taught you about writing, if you can pinpoint something else? I think that was that was the main lesson to to and especially though to pay attention to uncomfortable emotions. Anything mm. that you would shy away with shy away from, pay more attention to that because that is where you have put your power. Mm. You have, you have given something, the power to deflect you. So you need to go back and face that down. Great advice. That's interesting. I mean, Ray Bradbury said some very similar things about writing, although he primarily, I think, came from joy and love. That sounds like him. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty remarkable that he was able to maintain that. But coming from some powerful emotion, emotion is the fuel. Yeah. Emotion is the fuel that powers the the work. And again, it may not translate into the same emotion that your audience has, but they will pick up on the intensity, whatever. Yeah. That, That is so true. That is so true. Did you do exchange pages with Octavia? I did not. I did not. But we did talk about like, why is this character doing this thing when I want them to do the other thing? And how can I come up with a name for this series that that hasn't been abused and overused and and that kind of thing? Ah, Golden. Golden. (laughs) Yes. And I did get to, I still get to refer to her over and over again. The, The very title, New Sons, comes from something that she said. Yeah, remind us of the quote. Uh, Okay, let me read it, and then I will not get it wrong. Absolutely. And I will continue to talk while you look for the quote so that we don't have dead air. Okay, here it is. There's nothing new under the sun, but there are new suns. Mm. Mm, That's Mm. great. Of course. Lovely. That is lovely. And and I'm glad you, you brought up the anthology. You know, you're busy. You write your own work. You're writing short stories. You're writing very long, lush novels. 
how do you have time for editing? What 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 is the compulsion to edit? Why do you apparently love editing? Oh, okay. Those are so many different questions. <laughs> First of all, editing does not seem to take the same brain space as writing does for me. So I assign a couple of hours a day for, you know, doing different tasks, including, you know, writing. And I can write and I then I can go and do a couple of hours of editing on a different project because I'm not I'm not use, using the same space in my brain for writing and editing. I can switch from a writing project to an editing project. Yes. So then the question of what is the compulsion? Um, there are things that need to be in the world and they are not necessarily coming from my brain. They are coming from other people's brains. I get excited when I see something and I say, this must be in the world, whether I'm teaching or just hanging out with people and I see something and I'm thinking, you have a novel about people burning memories for magic? Everybody needs to see that. Come on. Mm. So so that's the compulsion. Mm. And then how, what was, I think the third question was something like, how do they differ writing and editing? Yeah, well, I think you've answered that part. You what? know, as, as Burning was... memories for magic? Yes. Is that is that yours? No. Who's that was that? My students. That's um, wonderful. Was that cognomancy? I mean, what would you call that? Yeah, I, I don't cognomancy. Think so. That's a beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes. Well, I. That's, a, that's really beautiful. Did they did they write that story? They are. It's a novel. They are about three quarters through with it. Fantastic. And I'm like, yeah. can we take up a collection so you don't have to work anymore and you can just finish this? Because they've been working on it. For two years now. So, yeah, time time for this one to be born. Wonderful. Well, you brought up a great point about students. I hadn't even thought about students. I was thinking about, you know, the authors that you're discovering and giving this platform. But but I totally concur with you that, well, actually, it's not concurring so much as riffing because you <laughs> didn't say this. But I find that I get creative excitement from reading student work, watching student films, right? It's, it's, yes, it takes time, but rather than it kind of sucking the life out of me, <laughs> I feel it kind of creatively invigorated by it and, and inspired even, right? Because you feel like, okay, that you're coming out of the gate this strong. I need to continue to up my game. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, there are some things that I just assume not read, frankly. <laughs> True. Uh, I, I there like is that it, part. <laughs> yeah, I liken it to chewing broken glass, actually. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. But but then there are the ones that are just exquisite. And I actually want them, I want other people to to share this. It's like when I was a teenager reading Tiger Beat and stuff, it it, it increased my my love of Bobby Sherman or whoever David Cassidy. Oh my God, okay. Randolph Mantu. It increased my my joy to share it with other people, and so I want to. That's why I want to edit so often is that I want to share with people like, wow, there is this thing where this 
this girl is like, you know, her best friend is a mountain lion. Okay. <laughs> like, could, could, right. Could we have some more people paying attention to that? And like, we can talk about it, you know? And yeah. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're, I, I, I love that you do this. I'm so glad that you have the anthology and I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> But you're you're also a tough editor, I will say. And I do you mind if I tell story? The reason oh, I'm the reason oh. my story is not in the original New Sons is oh, because it did not meet muster. <laughs> you rejected my ass, <laughs> which I and, love. I love mm-hmm. and I rewrote the story and, and I published it elsewhere, actually. But it took a while. It took a couple of years for me to figure out what was wrong. I I really think that I finally figured out what it was. There are expectations that people have that are different for science fiction and horror. Mm-hmm. And your story at, at the the version that I saw was straddling the line. Right. It was like writing checks an account that was empty or something like Listen that. Listen to her. Listen oh, to her. Oh, she just damn. that to my face. <laughs> oh, I love it. Say I what see. you really mean there, Nisi. Love it. Is that mean? Listen, listen, listen to that. Mean? No, no, it's not mean. It's real. That's what I love about it. It's real. And I talk about this incident all the time with learning writers because rejection is this big bugaboo. You know, everyone's so afraid of rejection. Sometimes they don't even write. Sometimes they don't submit just because of the specter of rejection. Mm. And yeah, it sucks. It totally sucks. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're smart about it, if you're emotionally healthy about it, yeah, you use it as a way to improve. The way I look at that is, do you want to think you're good or be good? Ooh. If your commitment is to actually being good, you want to get your ass kicked. Because that's the only way you get better. Otherwise, you will do. We are we are set as human beings, as animals, to do as little as possible to get the result we want. That's why we have wheels, and we're not just carrying rocks around because we want it to be easy. <laughs> well, so, and- if if everybody is telling us that we're wonderful, then what what is it that pushes us forward? Because part of what we're looking for is what what is the response we get from the world. So editors who will hold your feet to the fire, or readers who will hold your feet to the fire, or critics who will, or agents who will, these are our allies. These are the people who can help us actually get there, just like a good sparring partner will hit you in the face if you drop your guard. It's not wow. meanness. It's teaching you what you need in order to be the best you can be. But see, and now, now I'm the story in New Sons Two Supper Time that is a drawing from an account that is full. Oh, thank you. See, I yeah, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't. But no. But I love the candor, and I think it's so healthy for not just me, but all writers that that you edit. And in terms of the new anthology, New Sons Two. I know it's hard to to single people out. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. I'm not gonna. Well, how about we do this? How about is there a a story from a a, an author who maybe is a debut author or has very very few publications that you are especially happy to be able to bring to the world? No. (laughs) Okay, because there's a lot. I mean, I'm looking at the cover. So many: Kate Tempest, Bradford, Darcy Little Badger, John Chu. Love John Chu. But he's been around for a while. 
And I rejected a story by him for the first New Sons, by the way. And he. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So lands another punch. Oh, my gosh. You heard it here first on the Life Writing Podcast. Yeah, but this. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so so great that he came back and, and offered me another one because he could have just been like, well, you don't like me. You can't use me. Well, I think that's what separates professionals sometimes, right? Yeah, probably Gitanjali Vandemark's story. I'm really, really pleased to to present her work to to the world. I once was a judge for a contest that was based on the works of Octavia Butler. Actually, they were, all the stories were what was it called? Something about a pink door. Didn't she have a journal that was journal with a, a world for, that you go to through a pink door? Anyway, Julie had a story in that and I picked hers as the winner it was a blind judging thing I didn't even know Mm. so I'm really pleased to get her work out there and noticed more that's great that it is it's a great feeling yeah haunted bodies of womb men that is the that is a story in there that is I don't think that this is a Matswana author from from Botswana I don't think that there's she's had a lot of notice either and i think that the whole continental african aesthetic is is it's it's getting a a a turn in the in the spotlight now but it's it's still new to people so i'm very proud of that but you know honestly i was really proud to get nevo in there and that is not someone obscure i was just like yes give me nevo Good for you. Well, good for you. It's a solid, solid anthology. I hope a lot of people find it. One of three books you have <laughs> coming in out this year <laughs> in a five month period, but that is no small feat. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about your your process? How do you divide up your day between your tasks, especially writing? Well, let's see. I, I get up and do sort of like... N- maybe writing related stuff, like send a bio or a photo to somebody, you know, sign a contract or whatever. Around noon, I'm doing the dishes, you know, whatever. I don't really actually get around to writing. Oh, and one of the things that I've been doing in the mornings recently is reading a book by someone that I'm going to interview on stage in a couple of days. So Hmm. yeah, so writing related stuff and then do the dishes. And then from one to three, I work in a Zoom group with people. Uh, I'm either writing or editing projects I've got lined up. And I I have a calendar, a paper calendar, where I write in there which projects I'm going to be working on on which days. Then I have another little break from three to 3.30, then 3.30 to 5.30, back to it. And that's it. That seems to be all I can do is is four hours. Four hours is a lot. It's concentrated. You know, if, yeah. you, if you're if you're concentrated, you don't need to do more than that. No, that's you what Stephen King to. does. But over time, that that's a colossal amount of work. You can Absolutely. get four hours if you're really focused. Yeah, yeah. So the recently I I finished a novella about a beat era figure. And her name her real name is Aileen Lee. Jack Kerouac wrote about her as Mardu Fox. Hmm. And I did revisions for the sequel to Everfair, Kinning. And I wrote 
a horror story, which apparently wasn't horror because it got rejected. <laughs> well, oh well. Now you got to taste it. I wrote a check medicine. and there was nothing in the account. <laughs> but but this is so valuable for people to understand. Rejection is a part of an artist's life, no matter what level. Yeah. So it, using that as as any kind of obstruction to to claiming your joy is is not the way to go. We have to, you know, there are different editors have different things that they have in mind and you can't, you can't know short of being a telepath. You can't know, but uh, I wanted to go back to your writer's group is, was this a COVID era group that began or, yes. and, 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 and you're still going. Cause I remember hearing about it at one of our zoom salons a while ago. And oh, yeah. You, you and how many writers and you get together every, well, not everybody shows up every day, but I have a list of people that I email about it. That's like over 20 people. Wow. Yeah. So I did give it a rest when I went to Florida and then I came back and yesterday was the first day and there were nine people in one session and three people in another. So, and you just sit in each other's space and work. So we will sit around and chat, maybe catch up, you know, find out, you know, who's, who's been going to the doctor and, you know, who's going to be on a reading series and all that kind of stuff for maybe 15 minutes. And then we will go to work and then we'll check in for another 10 minutes or so, you know, how'd you do? Did you get a lot of words done? Did you get a lot of scenes revised, you know, and then go back to it. That just sounds invaluable. So question when you're feeling when there is a tremendous amount of life stress of one kind or another, and of course, every life has a lot of stress, and the artist's life is no exception to this. <laughs> what do you do to help you deal with the stress in as healthy a fashion as possible? What, do you, what, what rituals or, or, or practices do you have? Oh, there are so many things that go with different kinds of stress, from taking a walk to taking a shower to calling someone up. You know, friends that that friends that are also writers that can can share with me all the conflicts that I'm going through and and can listen to me vent and that kind of stuff. Um, People that do for you what you were helping to do for Octavia. Yes, yes. So emotional support. You're directly finding people who care about you, and, and you you can share the burden with. Uh, yeah. You know, you take a walk or take a shower, changes your physiology. And what what internal processes, you know, things that you say to yourself or your values, your beliefs, the sayings that you have, how do you represent, you know, when something happens that is very stressful, what's your internal dialogue? I'm trying to think of something really stressful. I mean, I there's the ch- chronic stuff of yeah. missing my mother, you know. Yeah. Of course. Things. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Five years now and it's still still fresh mm. then I then it's not so much saying things as listening and and listening and and sometimes I I have a doll sometimes I will hold my doll and so I'm I'm modeling the nurturing that I yes. need that's beautiful yes that's 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 really beautiful would you mind telling us a little bit more about that because I think that that's that's that one I have not heard, and I think it is fantastic. My doll is named Lily Beatrice, and I have had her for maybe 30 years. Yes. 
And just whenever I feel sad, I I can like hold her. She's like a rag doll. Uh, Should I get her and you can? Yes, I would love to see. I'd love to meet Beatrice. A rag doll. That is so great. And I've never heard anybody say that before. I have a doll in my closet, (laughs) but I have not held it. That's our little nugget of gold today. There we go. And it's a There's beautiful ragdoll with braids. Oh, it's Lily Beatrice. Lily Beatrice. Yeah, yeah. So she had some braids and I gave her some more. I put the ribbons in her hair. I gave her the pearls that she's wearing. She mm-hmm. needs a new dress. The dress is kind of coming apart. Is that similar? Is Lily Beatrice similar to dolls you had when you were a little girl? I don't think I ever had a doll like this, but she's very similar to me. I'll tell you that. There you go. So she does she kind of represent a younger Nisi? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So that's that's your inner child work right there. This is ancient child stuff, Steve. Yeah. It's, it's, Beautiful. it's Beautiful. when you imagine your younger self, but actually what, what's happening is that Nisi is becoming their younger self as... <laughs> You nurture that doll. You're both the elder and the child. Uh, she yeah. personified it in a doll. Yeah. Uh, and that is, to me, our younger selves, our artistic selves, our creative selves, close to the, the source of our creativity. And I think that that is extremely healthy. Good. I mean, no, healthy. no, 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 no. That's impressive. I like it a lot. And... Beautiful. I so let's let's ask you a question. First of all, thank you for that honesty and sharing that. Yes, that was great. That's this is this is exactly why we're doing this show to help people see that there are infinite ways to organize themselves to have a life that gives them deep satisfaction and joy. And what you're doing right here is something I'd never quite heard before that I'm going to dig into that one. That's really, what would you like to, where can people find you and what would you like to promote? You know, what's happening next for you? How can people you know, see see what you're up to? The world of Nisi. The world uh, of Nisi. I do have a website. It is woefully out of date. The most recent thing I have going on other than New Sons 2, which is like, what, a whole eight days old now. Yay. Is I have a middle grade novel out called Speculation. And I can hold this up here too. It's, oh, that's a great picture. Nice. Nice picture. It's a, it's a black girl with beautiful glasses gleaming. So that looks very intriguing. So the pitch with this one is it's set in 1962 in Southwest Michigan. There are these two African-American girls who are spending Memorial Day weekend with their grandparents, the younger one accidentally breaks the older one's glasses. So their grandfather gives her glasses that were worn by their great aunt Estelle, who mm-hmm. died as a child. Estelle. I mm-hmm. may not know that the E in Octavia E. Butler stood for Estelle. So the older one puts on the glasses and their magic. And she sees ghosts through them. Ooh. And the ghosts say, listen, there's a favor you can do for us. <laughs> We're missing one of our relatives. And we know he's still alive. Go find him. Wow. Wow. That, that, that sounds magical. <laughs> it gives me little chills there. That sounds yeah. absolutely magical. That's wonderful. 
Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for joining us here on the Life Writing Podcast. Uh, Go ahead, T. No, I was just going to say that that you probably had a few things to say. (laughs) Well, yeah, always. You know, just what I always look for from these are little tidbits about how people navigate the territory of a creative life successfully. This is what our programs are all about is if you have the creative impulse, we, you know, for whatever it is in your life, we, we really want you to live a life of joy and service. So all of our programs that are the sponsors of, of the Life Writing Podcast are built around that notion, small actions that you can take on a daily basis that can end up having wonderful results and help you craft the life that you really want. Our flagship program is the Fire Dance Tai Chi program that combines affirmation, and what's called incantation, which are affirmations combined with motion. Oh, uh, yes. And using the using the Wu style Tai Chi form. So it teaches the full Tai Chi form at the same time they're teaching you how to do a ritual so that while you're doing the form, you are, you are chanting incantations and you're visualizing your mentors and you're flooding yourself with positive emotions and filling yourself with confidence. And you do that for 10 to 20 minutes every morning and you're literally taking care of all the basics that you need to be sure you have a day that is in alignment with your values and hopes and dreams and goals. Such that if you had a thousand of those days, you'd be where you wanted to go. Then it's just a matter of totaling them up. It isn't you look up after five years and say, oh my God, I haven't got anything done. You look up at the end of the week and say, oh, I didn't get it done. I need to make a correction. You You don't have you know, because when too long a period of time goes by and it feels like you're not making progress, it can feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. But if if success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal, then what I want to know is I want to know every day. Did I do today in a way that if I had a thousand days like this, I'd be happy with the results? Yes. Great. Do it again tomorrow. No. <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> Simple as that. You know, I being aware that that we don't get to start life over again means that every day is we're starting from here. Every morning when we get up, we're starting from there. Every day when we go to sleep, we're resting our minds and bodies so that the next day we can do it again. We're, we're trying to be live lives, as the Dalai Lama said, you know, of, of joy and service to our communities and the people that we love. If, if the Fire Dance program is the most tested program that we have. And you can find out more about it at www.firedancetaichi.com. It's a a, a weekly program. You get a new lesson, another couple of movements every week. In one year, you'll have 108 movements plus a depth, a, a cornucopia of techniques and strategies and ideas about how to get the most from your body, your mind, and your emotions. I love your inspirational, I love your inspirational lectures too. (laughs) So some days people want to do the lectures and the movement. And then sometimes people just want to do the movement, you know, and just focus on that. But it's a great course and I love it. And uh, you will love it too, everybody. So remember as writers, we are our bodies as well as our minds. And that's what Fire Dance Tai Chi is all about. So thank you again, Nisi. Thank you so much, Nisi Shaw, for being here. You were incredible. Absolutely. (laughs) Incredible. Wow. And listeners, you go on. Hopefully you're inspired. If you've been facing rejection, then brush it off and keep going. Make yourself the hero or heroine in your own story. The hero in the adventure of your lifetime. Bye, everybody. 
You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.